Hey, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. And this episode is part two of my conversation with Daniel Borkowski. Let's go. Welcome to the Russell Westcott Podcast, helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams. All right, welcome back, everybody. Russell Westcott here at Daniel Borkowski. Uh, so just kind of in the first thing, when we just kind of outline some of the context and, and suffice it to say, you know what you're talking about when it comes to this. And that's, I, I'm actually very, very intrigued about um, how you structure your deals and also your follow-up because, uh, you know, I'm going to be honest, my follow-up <laughs> is not the greatest, right? I actually had a really good follow-up system for a while when I first got started. And then once it's got to too many partners and I was, you know, 17, 18 different partners, I think it was a maximum of 24. So I, I know the right. pain of having too many partners. Right. Um, I slowly stopped following up with them on a very uh, regular basis, which was a downfall, which is a mistake. I actually admit that that's a mistake. So, so let's get into structures first. So your, your primary mode is a, a rent-to-owned model. Um, so maybe why don't you start with that as why don't you t- share how you just structure your rent-to-own with the tenant buyer? maybe how the deals work, how those deals look, and then how you structure those with your joint venture partners. Maybe start with there first. Okay. So there's a few different rent-to-own models. The one that I fell in love with is the tenant-first rent-to-own model. Mm -hmm. A very smart guy from Ontario, Mark Loeffler, has a a phenomenal system that he's wrote a book about. And we Um, we joked and we called it the e-harmony of of, of real estate (laughs) is where you went and you found found the person. Sorry, you keep going. (laughs) No, that's good. (laughs) Um, So I based my model off of Mark and then I learned probably five or six other models and I mashed them all together and and made something that that I liked and wanted to work with. My main goal was having my my work, my real estate, not interfere with my lifestyle. So I wanted a system that works from anywhere in the world, um, can work without me and is highly profitable and does not take up much of my time. And uh, again, I I mentioned Tony Peters used to talk a lot about toilets and tenants and I I didn't want to have to deal with the terrible T's (laughs) as he called them. Um, Not that they're terrible, but I just wanted none of that. Um, There's another to, name I haven't heard for a while. Is Tony still around or what's, uh, what's he been doing? You know what? He was the first uh, rent-to-own guy that I ever knew. Yeah. Um, did you ever do any of the Ron Legrand training way back I 2003? Did. Yes. I learned that's, a that's ton from like, Ron. He's still, his office still emails me. I know I he doesn't, he's, he's one of the guys who I learned that doesn't touch email. So I, yeah. I kind of respected that he had... 2000 plus doors and, and has never sent an email. So, yeah, yeah it was funny. I saw Ron, Ron Legrand, phenomenal. He's such a character, too. I actually saw him do a Facebook Live the other day. Oh, wow. And I thought hell had fro- frozen over. <laughs> you know, as you know, Ron, Ron doesn't like technology too much. Right. <laughs> so, I thought, and for him to do something like a Facebook Live, I thought was quite phenomenal. So, so anyways, you, you structure your. Um, sorry, I, I didn't want yeah, to catch so, off. Um, <laughs> I, I was going off on a tangent there. Mm-hmm. So, tenant first means that they come to me. So, I like that model. The, the other variant is property first, where you find a property and then you have to find a tenant that loves it and wants to buy it. That model to me looked like a lot of work. Um, the tenant first, you just 
basically sit there and wait until the tenant applies and you screen applications or you filter, you pay someone, whatever you want to do. And you deal with the people that you want to deal with. And if there's no deals to deal with, then you have no inventory, you have no risk, you have investors on the sideline waiting, but you can you can be out on a paddleboard all day. You can do whatever you want. You wait for the deal to come to you. And that's how I wanted to structure so it. So technically, you only buy a house when you got somebody who's going to buy it from you. Exactly. You actually don't get in the front door until you actually know somebody who's going to uh, buy you on the back I have door. an agreement to sell it and money in my pocket before I've ever bought it. Before you even bought it. So. Wow, <laughs> brilliant. Um, and you attract those tenant buyers through a website? That's um, through a website that is all... SEO, search engine optimization. What's the name of that website? If you don't mind. Uh, Home Visions Canada. Home Visions Canada. So guys, don't go spam it and fill out the (laughs) form and all that kind of stuff. Only unless you're serious about things like that. But I think it's a fantastic model to go take a look at what you do. Yeah. How how many leads do you generate from that site? Oh, a day. There's been times where I would get 10, 20, 30 applications a day. They weren't all, all good. And I tried my best to have the application filter out people and not allow, um, Ron called them suspects and prospects, but to not allow the suspects through so that you're only dealing with the prospects, but they still sneak through. So the ones that actually would fill out the form and that was their only way of contacting me. There's no phone number. There's no email address. There's, if you want to deal with this company and they don't know what's mine, fill out the form and let me know everything about you and we'll decide if we're going to contact you. And that may sound rude, but I'm very protective of my time. And I did start it differently at first. I I had a phone number, I had email, I would call every single person back and try to respond. And I can't help you, but here's a suggestion. And you know, you can only be so nice before you have no time left in your day for the things you want to do. So So now I only respond to the ones that I want to respond to. And I I make sure that that's my exact target before we ever have that first conversation. Right. So somebody goes, lands on your website and you optimize it through search engine. Do you do any like paid, paid Facebook or uh, that kind of stuff? I've never paid for marketing. Never paid for anything. So it's just all organic search of somebody searching, somebody searches, um, what's, what's your key search term that you kind of like to optimize for? If it's a secret, you, know. you can say it. That's fine. <laughs> it's not a secret. Yeah. I just, I just don't even know. Oh. <laughs> I, I just know it's working right now. So yeah. I don't, I don't touch it if it's, it's working way. So if somebody just it. goes in their house for, you know, yeah, rent, I mean, if, rent if you type and, in Rentone, Alberta or any of those common and, um, I apologize, but I, I, I registered about 40 of the best domain names at the time. So, yeah. <laughs> so they all redirect to, to my website. So um, if you're trying to think of a, of a good catchy one, um, most of them have been, have most been, of them, if you want to buy it, <laughs> they want to buy it, you can pay Dan, Dan some money for it and he'll maybe help you um, out with that. That was, um, uh, that was to limit competition, obviously, because but Google doesn't really care what your website is anymore, but they used to. If your website was rent to own Calgary and someone typed in rent to own Calgary, they would come to you. Now, search engines don't work that way anymore. So it doesn't really matter. You could be um, Tom's boat shop and have a rent to own business and people will still find you if your website is is designed properly. It doesn't really matter what the name is. Right. Okay. 
So someone hits on your website, they go through an application process, then you only get back to them after they probably have filled an application and you probably have a couple autoresponders and just... Autoresponders, yeah. a lot of FAQs, anything that anyone would ever ask me, if I thought it was appropriate for other people to know, I would add it to the website. So it, it became an informational base where they could spend a lot of time learning what they're getting themselves into and hopefully answer every single question that they had. And if they did have a question that I didn't answer, I would make sure to, to add that to my website so that other people won't bug me with the same question. Honestly, it was all about protecting my time. Yeah. And then, so it just took, it took time. It took time right. to protect your time. To build. Yeah, yeah. Initially. And then, so then you get them. So you, let's say you find somebody, they pass all your top four things you need to see on the application. What are, or what is the, what, are, what do you look for out of an application that would get you to pick up the telephone? Or do you pick up yeah. the telephone? I would, yeah. you know, it depends. If it's a very, very, very good applicant that I don't want to lose, mm -hmm. like someone coming, I, I did have one person come to me and they said, look, I understand what Rent-to-Own is. I know, I know your model. I think we're a good fit. And they tried to sell me on why they'd be a good fit. And they, they were amazing. They had an annual income combined of over a quarter million a year. They had, I don't know how many tens of thousands of dollars to put down as a down payment. They had really good employment income, not self-employed. They checked off every single box. There was one thing, I don't remember what their issue was. I think it was, it always comes back to credit. So it must be something credit-wise, but they basically said, we're your perfect client and they were. So I picked up the phone and I called them. Yeah. Otherwise I might email and say, you know, ask a few questions or try to arrange a time to talk. Mm -hmm. um, I have been out of the country quite a few times talking to these people if they're a good fit. Not that I spend my vacations looking for them, but there's I have some of my best deals. I've been in Hawaii, California, Florida, and I've put together those deals while I'm sitting on a beach or getting ready to to go do something really fun with the kids. Or you know, So I'll spend the five minutes then because I don't want to lose that one person. But yep. Now, truly, we could spend an entire interview hours just talking rent-to-own if we wanted to do. But right. quite frankly, <laughs> I, um, what I would highly recommend is you check out Barry McGuire and Donna's program on, on rent-to-own, yeah. which you're part of, too. And I have helped them with that, yes. and it's phenomenal. Yeah, and, and, and I would highly recommend if that's the route you want to go down. But I, but I want to really keep talking about how money partners fit into this. So you, you got a tenant buyer, they qualify, they put up a down payment, and that actually helps you with your joint venture partners too. So, right. so now you take this, you got a qualified tenant buyer, and then you're going to go out shopping for a house. Do you find a joint venture partner before you go shop for the house? Or do you have one waiting for you? Or what, what's the next step kind of on money partners? So when I was just starting, I would have the the client first and I would be trying to find the money partner. Then once you have money partners and you don't have enough deals, they kind of sit there and they're, they're mad at you when you don't have deals. To, <laughs> the to the money's to getting itchy. Right? So, so everyone's starting at a different place. So initially, yes, I did send people out and I was trying to sell that deal to money partners. But if you have a really good deal, it kind of sells itself. So you mentioned using the client's money. So I'll give you an example. So bought a house for, or the tenant buyer wanted a house worth $450,000. They had, I believe, $30,000 to put down. So 
20% of the 450 a partner typically would need $90,000, yep. except that 30,000 is already coming from the tenant buyer that wants to lease to own this house, rent to own. So I really only need 60,000 from that money partner. So right away, I have to, uh, the way I would structure it is I would raise the 90 and give them 30 back. So they're already getting a huge return on their money before we even own the house. Right. Now, do you, um, is the 90 just 20, is that, that's 20%. Do you add a little bit of contingency and anything on top of that? Or is it just the 20%? You know, when I do rent to own, because I'm getting so much money from the tenant, I don't build in the contingencies right. because I'm also collecting, um, the first month's rent in advance, which is going to be a couple thousand dollars. I've already got the 30000 or whatever it is from them. So I may wait 30 days until the second month's rent has come in where, where the first cash flow check has come in so that there's a reserve sitting there. But I don't raise an extra reserve initially because I have all this extra money. So I may send the thirty to my investor 30 days after once the tenant buyer has built up their own reserve. But. So you do you do kick back the amount of money the tenant buyer puts in back to your investment partner? I do in trade for um, equity position in the deal. So I own a much larger share. Okay, yeah, let me back it up a step. How do you, um, so you get them to put the money, who qualifies for the mortgage? The investor The investor. Qualifies. The investor qualifies, the investor puts the money. Um, and what's your split after? So. So guys, if you, if you follow the, the program, I teach that there's, there's really only four variables. There's money, mortgage, management, and mastery, right? So in this deal, your, your money partner is putting the money and the mortgage, right. and you're doing all the work, and you're the expert. This is your system, right? right? So, and now what do you, how do you split that? I try to target the ROI that I want the investor to see at the end of the mm -hmm. day, and that's Typically, low to mid 20s is where I, I try to, to hit for their return on investment. And usually, I can split it where I own 75% of the deal, they own 25% in order for them to hit that, that low 20% ROI at the end. And, and the reason being, I would imagine, is because you're able to give back a good portion of their down payment. So they're only getting right. in... It's for 60. Right. So, so their ROI is calculated on the 60 because that's all they technically invested. So they're getting back um, a return based on a $90,000 investment, but they only really invested 60. So, And I imagine, I have a feeling I know what they do with that money they get back. They probably are, can't wait to redeploy it back in again. If they're getting 20% on their money, right. they're probably quite tickled pink to keep giving it to Dan. <laughs> I have one investor who's... <laughs> bugs me all the time. He's like, so when are we doing the next deal? Why aren't we, you know, I got this money sitting here. And so it becomes a problem finding good deals. Um, at, you know, I always heard that and I thought it was, um, I, I didn't believe it mm -hmm. when, when I didn't have my first money partner, everyone says, Oh, once you find them, your problem will be finding deals, not finding money. And, you know, one day, one day it, it changed for me and I was like, oh my gosh, they actually were telling the truth. I thought yeah, it was you, just some, some fairy tale, like when pigs fly kind of thing. I, I'm laughing because I tell that to people all the time that there will come that day when you will say, you know what? They were right. <laughs> there is, there is, you actually have more money waiting than you actually have deals in, in things. So, so really it comes down and, and good for you for not taking advantage of that. 
right? Of putting the money that you have. Some people may take that money and just put it into a crappy deal. Right. You won't you won't compromise the quality of the deal because quite frankly, with six, seven money partners, one bad deal, it's could it has a big ripple. I actually filter I, I didn't initially, but I started filtering my money partners too, because mm-hmm. you want to you're in a relationship with this person. You don't want you don't just want the money. You want to know that you can trust the other side and and have a relationship with them and it's someone you want in your life. So you have to be careful whose money you're you're willing to accept. And there's been a lot of times where I've turned down money because I just didn't think we were a good fit. And yep. Yeah, the easiest is the last criteria is the check. Right. If you really think about it. It, it's, there's a lot of decision criteria before that. So, so you really do a 75-25 typically. Is that kind of your, your typical split? That's what I did for the last half a dozen or so, yeah. Do you take a fee? Like do you do admin fees or no. acquisition fees or distribution fees? Or do you pay yourself? it all along the way so I like all that cash flow comes back you, let's say you said there was 1500 bucks coming from one rent owned on a monthly basis right. do you take a, a wage out of that or pay yourself or does that get no split we, we just do an equity split so if i own 75 percent, yep. i'll keep 75 percent of that 1500 and give them the remainder yep. but i will not take a portion of the initial in that example thirty thousand dollars that'll that all goes to the investor. Right. So on the books, technically now they owe me 75% of that. That's the way my accountant records it anyways, because technically that money came into both of us and and now I've let them hold on to mm-hmm. a, a portion of my money. Um, but going forward, I need the cash flow to to survive and feed the family. So I'll keep my percentage of that um, going yeah. forward. Yeah, and you, and you know what? That's, guys, it's, it's okay to... to to, to make money off of your real estate portfolio. Because quite frankly, I think your your money partners would be upset if you had to go get a job and you couldn't take good care of right. their money. They would be going, geez, well, I'm not going to be able to get 20%. You know, I'm going to only get 12 on return on my money. Right. right. So yeah. that, that's a good thing that you can actually go out and do that. So, so how do you... Paperwork-wise, with your money partners, do you have just a straight joint venture agreement, or do you have a couple other different agreements that you have in place, or is it, or do you try and keep it fairly simple? So, with my joint venture partners, I try to make it as easy as possible for them. So, I have an agent agreement, which allows me to negotiate on the purchase on their behalf. So, I'm I'm their agent. They have to obviously meet with the lawyer and and do the final signing when we purchase. But all the realtor stuff that all goes through me. As their agent, so I I take that away. What's from an agent? Just, pardon me for interrupting there. People are going, just what's this agent agreement? What what is an agent? Because you're not a licensed realtor. Or no, so of it's so. more of limited power of attorney type that that type of agent. So essentially, if I was your money partner, I'm qualifying for mortgage and I'm putting the money up. I'm giving you permission to make decisions on my behalf. Is that kind of right? It's it's. It's very specific, and it, it basically says, uh, you know, I, Russell Westcott, appoint Daniel Burkowski, my agent for the purchase of of, of, a, of a property for, you know, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't remember all the details, yep. but it, it's very specific to buying a property and being able to negotiate on the property on that person's right. behalf. Would you? And it, it was drafted by a lawyer. Yeah. 
Are, are you okay to share that? Would you be able to share that? Sure. Sorry, I don't want to put you yeah, on the spot in front of a camera. It's yeah. funny. I often have to. I have to be mindful of. I'm sitting there putting somebody on the spot, and then you know. But you can say no if you want to. Don't don't worry. No, it's about it. it's. Yeah. I didn't. You know, I got it from. Um, I did a deal with a with a lawyer, and he actually didn't want to deal with the purchase end of things. Yeah. So he said, you know, why don't I just make you my agent and you deal with it and let me know when I have to go sign the papers. To myself. To myself. Yeah. <laughs> get a, get, so, a, get a, someone to help stamp me on paperwork. So that was yeah. something that they were trying to protect their time. And I, I appreciated that. And I, I loved it. And I thought, well, why don't I simplify lives for all my investors and I'll do all the negotiations and signing so that there's a lot of back and forth when you buy a property negotiations. Yeah. And I didn't want them to have to be the one relying on. And before I had this agent agreement, I had another joint venture partner who was very hard to get a hold of. And he actually lost his cell phone when we were negotiating on a deal. So my realtor is calling me and saying, I can't get a hold of so-and-so to sign mm-hmm. this paper and I can't get a hold of them. And it was a nightmare. And I thought, never again. So yeah. then along comes this appointment of agent agreement. And I thought, oh my goodness, like this would have saved so much headache had I had this on my last deal. Yeah. And it works on selling too. So I can negotiate on the on the sale of the property so that on their behalf. So they will only have to go in and do the final signing at the lawyer's office, yeah. but it works both ways. You don't have to be a joint venture partner of someone to be their, their agent. It's just, right. Um, yeah, it just gives you a very limited power of attorney based on whatever it says, and it can be revoked at any time. And, and then, you know, your money partner has to go qualify on their own merit right. for they the still, purchase. They have to go yeah. do all the all the things they have to do to get the mortgage and all this. And essentially, they're the owner because they are. They are right. the owner. Their name is on the title. They're they're the owner exactly. of the property. They're, they're buying it, so they would fill out their name as the buyer. But I would sign Daniel Burkowski as agent for Russell Westcott. And then I would attach the agent agreement to the purchase contract and the banks and lawyers look at that and they're all fine with it. So no problems with things at the moment that you're aware of? Or I know banks have, you know, with the changes, some of the changes and things like that, the third parties, banks have got their knickers in a knot a little bit over those things. I've never had a problem with that one because it's, like I said, it's it's a very simple um, power of attorney type thing. Yeah. Lawyers will not let me go in and do the final signing. They'll say that's that's not good enough for, for land titles and, and for the banks. But for negotiating on the contract, they don't seem to mind. Okay. And then you have a, a joint venture agreement on top of that as well? Yes. Okay. It's, it's a very detailed joint venture agreement that again, like I did with my rent own model, I took every joint venture agreement I could possibly find read them all, understood every single term, mashed them all together and made something that fit for me and my model. Right. And, and you know, that's that's how you make agreements, really, is mm-hmm. is you take um, different templates. And I've, I'm part of the program. I'm providing lots of templates for people to, to take a look at, some from the Law Depot, some from this person, some from a guy from BC, some from a guy from Ontario. Mm-hmm. Read them, understand them. And then what happens is each deal, something different comes up. You add a new clause or you right. just deal with things as it comes up. And then lo and behold, you have a wonderful joint venture agreement. Right. And, and it's always being improved. I don't have the same agreement that I started out with because you'll learn something that, oh, I should have done this. Or you hear something from someone else and you'll say, I need to protect myself or mm-hmm. or I said the wrong thing. That's not what I intended. Or So it's it's a constant improvement. But I guess one of the things um, you asked 
about selling the deal, like presenting the deal to someone. I know my agreements more than anyone else. And I've dealt with people who were like, oh, it's just, you know, read the joint venture agreement, but they don't know what's in it. They don't understand it. They don't know what they're asking mm-hmm. you to sign. Like, I think you have to own that. Yep. You have to know 100% better than anyone else, every single agreement that you're involved in. So that's your, your lease option agreement, your rental agreement, your purchase agreement. Like, you need to know every single clause, even in the area contract, wow. in my opinion. You should know exactly what you're getting someone else involved in if you're using their money and their and their qualifying ability, their, their but credit. That's one of the things you bring to the table is your expertise in the agreements, that the other person does not have right. that and they don't have to learn it. So, so Dan, you're just busting through a whole bunch of myth, myths here. That's easy for you to say again. <laughs> um, you don't have to have a big giant social media presence. You don't have to be shooting videos every single day with things. You don't have to have hundreds and hundreds of followers, right? You just, with six, seven partners, you have created your income. You're, and you're, another big myth is everybody says to go, well, 50-50. I'm scared if somebody says, well, what are you doing for your 50% of the deal? You're telling me it's a 75-25 split. Do you have anybody ever question that? I have. And yeah. then I just show them the numbers and I... I'm prepared. So I have a worksheet that shows this is what I'm doing. This is what you're doing. And on their side, it's, it's actually very, it's important, but it's very small. It's put in the money and qualify for the mortgage. Yeah. Whereas the investor side is, is huge. And I obviously make it that way. And, and I think I learned that from, from you actually. Well, it's, a, yeah, it's, it's, probably your, right? it's probably your template, but then I also analyze the deal and I show them exactly why I think it makes sense this way. And and I'll show it to them that, you know, if I if I take 75% of this initial option money and we do the deal regular, this is what your numbers look like. And, you know, it's 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 a better deal for them to have more money in their pocket so that they can go invest it again and mm-hmm. quicker in and out the velocity of, of money, yeah. I like to call it. And, and quite honestly, is um, you're known for something and you have a niche system of investing and that actually will is a benefit to getting money partners too, because you're known for it, right? right? And you actually have a really cool story you can share with people based upon those things. Very right. cool. So we're just busting myths left, right, and center here, guys. And I'm just going to do a real quick, uh, another reset of the camera again. We are going to get to your follow-up, for your your your, uh, your follow-up and your uh, investor communication, all that kind of stuff. But man, we could sit here and talk forever. So uh, this is Daniel Borkowski, and we'll be right back, guys. Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast. Before you run off, could you do us one final favor? Wherever you're listening to this episode, we encourage you to leave a review, share with your friends, and subscribe so you can receive the latest episode to keep you feeling inspired and encouraged for the entire week. Visit www.russellwestcott.com for more information, support resources, and upcoming speaking engagements near you. Bye for now.